We have been in the series called Phase for the last four weeks, and we have, I haven't been here. In fact, I actually talked to somebody uh, Friday night that said, I've started coming to your church since the Phase series, and I haven't even seen you. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, hopefully I'll see you this Sunday. We'll be back. One thing I learned about going out to all the different locations of the bridge, we have four of them in case you didn't know, um, is that, you know, it is so good to see bridge family everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, people are smiling, people are, are loving, and you think, you know what, this, this is our bridge family. We are four different locations, but we're one big family called the bridge. And Jessica and I, going from location to location, we, we, we felt like we were with family. The second thing I learned is, is, especially today, it is good to be back home at the bridge, Goldsboro. It is good to be back home. Uh, there's something, there's always something good about, about going and, and experiencing other things, but then there's always something good about coming home, right? Amen, amen. We're starting a series today called Transformed, Transformed, and I, I just got to say, everybody loves a good transformation story, do they not? Everybody loves to see where something or someone was and then watch some type of transformation take place and then just baffle at what God does with the transformation. And in fact, we, we love to see transformation stories just in everyday life. Have you ever heard of the couple Chip and Joanna Gaines? Everybody has. Why? Because we love a good transformation story. They, they take old things, they take things that are kind of decrepit, and they turn them into flourishing, functional houses. They, they take these homes that no one else would have anything to do with, and they turn them into something beautiful. And I'm not just talking about put a fresh coat of paint on, on something on the exterior. I'm talking about taking it from the inside out. And by the time they get done with it, you're like, oh, wow, I would totally do that. I would totally buy that house. But before, it would, it would be nothing. And that's really a picture of what God does in our lives, right? When we truly trust him, when we truly dig into him and give our lives to him. Formerly, we were incomplete. Formerly, we were lost. Formerly, uh, we were immature. And in terms of our spiritual lives, maybe we were a little accident prone. But then something happened along the way, and God got a hold of our lives, and he didn't just change a few behaviors, did he? No, when God drastically gets a hold of your life, when you give him your life, he changes you from the inside out. He transforms you. It's not just a, a, a something on the exterior, but he transforms you and he starts from the inside. Formerly, I was, and you can fill in your own blank today, but now I am something different. But now I'm something better. God isn't interested in changing your behavior. Did you know that? God is interested in changing your belief on the inside because he knows if he can get you to think the right way about him, your belief system about him, your behavior will be a byproduct. Amen? He, he wants to transform you, not just change your behavior. He didn't die for you so you could quit a few bad habits. He died for you so that you could be transformed from the inside out. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. Today, I'm just going to be talking about the power of being transformed and, and going some, from something useless to useful. And in this series, we're going to be in the book called Philemon. How many of you have ever heard of a book called Philemon? Some of you haven't, and that's okay, and probably because it's hard to find. It's only one chapter. It's 25 verses long. In fact, it's the smallest book in the New Testament and the shortest recorded writing of the Apostle Paul. Paul was a guy who wrote all kinds of letters to the churches that we read about in the New Testament. Uh, he had some crazy conversion experience. He went from completely being useless to God to being literally knocked off a horse, and God transformed his life, and he became one of the greatest, if not the greatest, evangelist that ever lived. Uh, and he's the reason why 
we are sitting here today, and we gain a lot of our teaching about God from what God did through this man named Paul. This was a letter that was written by Paul to a man named Philemon, and primarily to a man named Philemon. And Philemon had a slave that was named Onesimus. And Paul, when he wrote this letter, uh, was in a Roman prison, uh, wrongfully accused, of course. Um, and for those interested, this was a letter that was sent along with the letter to the Colossian church. So in the New Testament, there's a letter called Colossians, and that's a, a letter written to the church at Coloss. Well, Philemon was a part of that church. In fact, the church at Coloss met in Philemon's home. And so when the church letter was delivered to the Colossian church, the book of Colossians, this letter to Philemon was delivered as well. Uh, so Philemon, he had this slave named Onesimus. Now, I just want to say from the get-go, so you understand that, that slavery is a bad thing, whether we're talking about what happened in the United States or what happens uh, in, in Rome. When we talk about it here, we're talking about it in terms of culture of the day, not acceptance. Everybody with me? Say yes. All right. In this day and in this time and in this culture, slaves were very, very, very common. In fact, during this time, the Roman Empire had approximately 15 million slaves. One person out of every four was a slave in the Roman Empire. It was very, very, very common. So as the story goes, Onesimus is Philemon's slave, and he steals from Philemon and then flees, runs away. So he's a thief, and he's a runaway slave, uh, and he flees to Rome. Uh, and so that's a feat in and all by itself because Rome is about a 1,000 miles away from Colossus. I just want you to get the picture here. He, he steals from his master. He flees and runs away and somehow gets a 1,000 miles to Rome. Now, some scholars say he goes to Rome to kind of get mixed in with the slave population there. But he gets there, and who does he run into? Paul, the, the guy who's influenced and actually helped start the church back in the town of Colossus that he just has come from. Now, again, Paul has already had this amazing transformation in his life that you can read about in the book of Acts chapter 9. And by this time in Paul's life, he has done awesome things for God, and he's wrongfully accused, and he is in prison in Rome. Uh, and so through this crazy turn of events that you read about, it, it, Paul's unique journey landed him in Rome. Uh, and who does Onesimus run into a thousand miles away from his home? Paul. Have you ever been out of state, or maybe even better, out of the country, and run into somebody from your hometown? <laughs> Isn't that the weirdest thing? I mean, first when you see them, you're like, oh, what is up? You're from Goldsboro? And it gets really weird. But then all of a sudden, you feel like they're your family. And then all of a sudden, you start thinking, i got to behave now because I don't know if I'm ever going to see these people again, you know? And, and so this is what happens. Onesimus steals from his master, goes a 1,000 miles from home, and he runs into the guy whose influence helped start the church in his town. And not only that, but the, that very church happens to meet in his master's house, <laughs> the one that he stole from and ran away from. Now, can you just imagine what that conversation was like? I mean, he meets Paul, and Paul's like, hey, very nice to meet you. You know, I'm the guy that helped start the church that meets in your town in your master's house. I love God so much, I am willing to die for those people. And then some haters came along, and they, they threw me in prison because they didn't like what I was doing. I love God so much. Well, what are you up to these days? <laughs> hey, not much. I, I stole from the guy that the church meets in his house and ran away, hoping to get away from it all, and I ran into you. Paul. <laughs> Awkward. You know, I just can't imagine what that conversation was like. But this, this is what I've learned. There are no coincidences with God. 
When God purposes something for you for your life, when he pl has plans for your life, you can run 10 miles, you can run 1,000 miles away, but you will always end up right where God has you. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 19, you can make plans, but in the end, the Lord's purposes will prevail. He was being rebellious. He was being uh, crooked. He was being sinful, but God still had his hand on him, and God has his hand on you today. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God has a purpose for your life, and you're not here to today by accident. You're not here today by some random coincidence. You're here with a divine appointment to hear this word today and be changed and transformed from the inside out because God has his hand on you and he has his purposes for you that, by the way, no matter how far you've run, hasn't changed since he made you. God knew the transformation he had waiting for Onesimus. And he led him straight to Paul. He thought he was running away. And the further he went away, the further he thought he was getting away from his, from his story. But he was, the, he was getting closer and closer to where God had him go. God had his hand on him. You can, and you can't hang around someone who's been transformed by the power of God. Before long, God begins to set you up to be transformed yourself. And Onesimus went straight to Paul. Paul and his transformation in his life began to rub off on Onesimus. And something begins to happen to Onesimus. And he begins to see the power of God in Paul's life. And, and as it happens, Onesimus' life begins to change as well. And he gives his heart and life to God. Then there's this massive transformation that takes place in his own life. And in this letter that Paul writes to Philemon, he, he tells him in verse 10, Onesimus became my son while I was in chains. And so we know that during Paul's time in Rome, in prison, Onesimus' life is transformed. Not just changed. There wasn't a few behavior modifications. Paul said, he's my son. He, he went from being something completely outside of the family of God to becoming just like my own son in the faith. He went from being useless to useful. And he begins to help Paul, and Paul becomes his spiritual father. And I'm not exactly sure how much time goes by, but... Eventually, during that transformation, the conversation comes up. The difficult conversation. You know what you got to do, Onesimus. You know what you have to do to make this right. And Onesimus comes to the realization, I've, I've got to go back to my master. And I've got to make this right. I've got to own up to Philemon for all that I've done wrong. And, and this is where it gets difficult when God begins to transform your life. Because we could easily look and say, you know what? Well, to be sure, God wouldn't have him go all that far. You have to understand, in this day and time, the chances uh, for him going and having this conversation with his master, it going good? No, not at all. In fact, Philemon could have him executed right there on the spot. The very least that could happen is he brand his forehead with the mark of a fugitive that he would have to wear on his forehead for the rest of his life. It was not going to be a good conversation according to the context of the culture of the day. And we could easily say, you know what, to be sure, God wouldn't want that. He's, he's a new man. Enough time has gone by where Philemon, maybe he, he probably has already replaced Onesimus. He's probably already moved on with his life. It's a thousand miles away. To be sure that we, we, we wouldn't make him do that. He's a, he's a new man. Hear me and listen to me good. When God transforms you, he doesn't intend for you to have a bad name with the people you've wronged when it's within your power to make it right. Sometimes the baggage of your life before Christ means that there's some resolving to do with Christ. And, and, and sometimes I get it. Sometimes there's nothing we can do. But hear me, sometimes there is. 
and when it's within our, within our power to make things right for the wrongs that we've committed, we should do so because guess what? God wants to give you a good name, and he wants to make sure his name within you resides well. Let me ask you, what do you need to do to make things right during your transformation? Onesimus faced the possibility of death. Are you willing to lower your pride and simply say, I'm sorry? Onesimus faced a thousand-mile journey back to his hometown. No telling what could have happened along the way and how long it would take him to get there. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to pick up the phone and have that difficult conversation with somebody that you know you need to have? What do you need to do? I think one of the biggest defamations of God's name that we do sometimes is when we claim to be his, but we don't reconcile our wrongs when it's within our power to do so. Onesimus decides to go back, and, and Paul writes a letter to Philemon on his behalf and then gives it to Onesimus and says, give this to Philemon whenever you get there. And that's the book of Philemon that we have. And so he's writing, and, and in verse 12 of the letter, he says, I'm, I'm sending him who is my very heart, back to you. He didn't say, I'm, I'm sending, hey, this, this guy, you know, forgive him. You, you should do the right. He's saying, he, he became my son. He is my very heart, and I'm sending him back to you. In verse 17, he says, God, Philemon, if you consider me a partner, then welcome him as you would welcome me. Now, he had a transformation in order for Paul to say that about him. But can you imagine how difficult that may have been for Philemon when he saw Onesimus? Because the last time he saw him, he was a crooked slave. Why should I believe he's different just, and just simply welcome him back? Well, I got to say, he probably wouldn't unless there was a real change. And I just got to tell you, there are some people in your life that look at you and they don't think any different of you unless there's a real change. When God begins to do a transformation process inside of you, there should be a visible progression of God's work and God's grace inside of you. You shouldn't think the same. You shouldn't talk the same. Everything about you should be different. And when people see a spiritual, godly progress inside of you, they will reassess you. And armed with this letter, armed with that fact, he goes back to Philemon. And he gives him the letter. And he changed Listen to what he says about him in verse 11. He says, formerly he was useless to you. Say useless. But now he has become useful. Say useful. Say formerly, but now. Say formerly, but now. And I, I think it's interesting because Onesimus' name actually means useful. That's what his name actually means. So, so maybe Philemon would have understood Paul to say, listen, we both know he's been useless <laughs> to, to you. We both know he's been useless to me. But now he has given his life to Jesus Christ, and the result is he's actually living up to his name. Formerly, he was useless, but now he's useful. Formerly, he was one thing, but now he's something else. Formerly, but now. And there's this beginning, there's the transformation, and then the but now. And Onesimus was formerly a thieving, runaway slave, but now he's a man of God who has been transformed from the inside out. And you need to know that God is still in the transforming business. He is still in the taking things that are headed one way in a path of destruction. He is still in the business of molding you and shaping you and transforming you, even though everyone else thinks it's hopeless and you might even think it's hopeless for your own self. He's still in the business today of taking you and transforming you into something, taking you from what you formerly were, but giving you a but now experience. And I think some of us in the room today need a formerly but now experience with God. 
I'm not talking about behavior tweaks. I'm not talking about looking like one thing but being something different on the inside. That's called religion. And if I can just say it, that is the most disgusting thing and the most off-putting thing anyone will ever see inside of you is a religious person on the outside and an empty person on the inside. God's not interested in behavior tweaks in you. He's interested in transforming your life from the inside out. It takes one thing, surrender on your part. Telling God, I, I'm, I am done doing me, and Lord, I invite you in to change me any way you want. That's a bold prayer to pray, but it's the prayer that begins a transformation process on the inside of you. And here's what you need to know. That's not just a 2,000-year-old story. That's a 21st century story. About 10 years ago, there was a man in Virginia by the name of Jerry, and Jerry faced prison. He grew up in church, but he got away from God, and, and in his adult years, got into a group of bikers. He joined the lifestyle of bikers. Now, this, this isn't your weekend warriors. I'm not talking about doctors on Harleys. <laughs> I'm talking about a biker lifestyle. And he eventually came the national enforcer for the 1% Biker Club called the Renegades. And this was the baddest of the bad, and Jerry was the baddest of the bad. He was an enforcer, which meant he bashed heads, which meant he, he, got, he got down and got dangerous. He hurt people. And there were times during all this where God would show up in Jerry's life. In fact, his wife got cancer at one point, and there was a thought maybe he might turn to God during all this, but he didn't. And God would still try to remind Jerry of how much he loved him, but Jerry didn't change. And eventually, Jerry landed in jail after a big bust in Virginia, uh, dealing with weapons, dealing with methamphetamines, um, and dealing with a mob assault. He eventually landed in jail. A pastor in the area started visiting him, and eventually, Jerry gave his life to Jesus. You talk about a transformation, and, and there's, there's something called jailhouse religion. That's when people go to jail, they get in the circumstances, they get emotional and they, they try to make a life switch. That wasn't the case for Jerry. He went from bashing heads to bashing pages. He, the man started reading his Bible. He even joined a Bible study. And God showed up and gave him favor even with the courts. And what would have been a 50-year sentence became time served plus five years probation. And as soon as he got out of jail, Jerry made the trip to Ohio and resigned from the club. Now, that doesn't happen in 1% clubs. You die if you try to get out, especially being a national officer, knowing what he knew. But they knew the old Jerry, and, and God did something amazing. They were so scared of him, they let him go. And I don't know all the ins and outs of how, how that worked. But they let him go. And then, in some time, federal weapons charges were held against him. And he was facing those charges. And here's the interesting thing. Here's the greatest part of that, the, the transforming part. He told his pastor this. He said, if I weren't a Christian, I would run. He said, but I'm facing my problems, and I'm looking beyond them to becoming the man that God made me to be. This was a man that God was still in the process of shaping, still in the process of transforming. He had made a decision for Christ, but that didn't mean that everything that he had done and the repercussions just went away. Part of the transforming power in God's life is working in the circumstances that you put yourself in. That's part of the transformation. Don't, don't look at the repercussions of your life as something that God is necessarily going to pull away from you. He is going to take those circumstances and come beside them, and that he's going to use that very thing to transform you. Sometimes it's, it, we, we look at transformation, and it's kind of funny 
because I don't know how you feel or where you are in your transformation uh, journey right now, but the interesting thing about transformations is that they're not, they're not so surprising whenever we see the outcome of a transformation. That's not the surprising part. The, 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 the surprising part is when we take a look at the formerly, when we look at where somebody came from. No one's really impressed with a skinny person until they see a picture of them weighing 50 pounds more. Then all of a sudden, it's impressive. The person sitting beside you in church today just seems like a regular churchgoer, but let them tell you the story about where God brought them from. Then all of a sudden, the transforming story is impressive. Then it's, then it's powerful, power, powerful. The formerly shows you the progression. And the funny thing is, is the formerly is the place that we wish never happened. If we could erase it, we, we probably would as human beings. And you may be in a formerly season right now. Maybe you don't know how the bills are going to get paid, and you're, you're trusting God to help. Or maybe you're addicted, and you can't quit. Or you have a brokenness in your life that just won't seem to heal. It's the place that seems like there's no hope. The formerly is the place where you want to give up. And if you never let God transform you, it's going to be your demise. But God's desire for you is not to stay in the formerly, but let God use that situation in such a way that begins to transform you as you move forward. Because the formerly is the very thing when all this is said and done that God will use to show you how good he is. Formerly, but now. This is what I was. And this is what God did in me. And now I'm something completely different. He will take you from season to season. And he will let you look back, not in regret, not in shame, but to show you and everyone around you you have influence in. This is where God brought me from. I don't know if you're in a formerly season right now. If you're in a season where things aren't looking too good, hold fast. Because God is going to take these circumstances that you're in and transform your life. I know it hurts, but God is moving you into a, a but now season. And by the time God gets done with it, it'll be the very thing that he'll use to show you how great he is. Don't despise the formerly, but don't stay there either. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ and say, yes, God, let him transform you. And you know what? There are transformation stories all over this room. There are transformation stories about how God healed marriages. There are transformation stories about how God healed addictions, about how God restored relationships. There are, there are stories of transformation about how God saved souls. And if I gave every one of you the opportunity to come up and share your transformation story in this microphone, I believe we'd all be not only blown away, but we'd walk out of here encouraged to say, if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And the enemy of your faith would have you believe right now that, that you know what, transformation is just for other people. God can't do it in my life. Let me tell you something. Satan is a, a liar. And it is possible for God to transform you and give you a but now season to look back and say, that's what I was, and, but God transformed me, and this is where I am now. Only God can do it, and today you have a divine appointment with God. Let me just share a few scriptures with you. In Ephesians 5.8, the scriptures say, for you were once darkness, but now you're the light in the world. Live as children of light. Colossians 1, 21 says, at one time, you were, say you were, you were separated from God. You were God's enemies in your minds because of the evil deeds you did were against God. But now, but now, say but now, Christ has made you God's friends again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, in the past, you were without Christ. You had no hope and you did not know God, but now. In Christ Jesus, you're brought near to God through the blood of Christ's 
death. Formerly, you were useless. You were, but now you're useful, transformed by the power of God. Take this scripture with you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How many people are glad for the transforming power of God in your life? Can you just give God some praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're in that season of life where you're saying, I, I need a transforming power in my life. I'm, I'm in a formerly season right now. Let me ask you, what is inhibiting your transformation? What is happening in your life that, that you're saying, you know what, I'm, I, I, I need to get into a transforming season with God? Onesimus was a thief. He was a rebel. But by the time God got done with him, he was one of the most influential men of the day and had Paul, the apostle Paul, vouching for him. In verse 16, Paul tells Philemon, have him back, but don't have him back as a slave, better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. This is Paul's words now. And this, this is a picture of the transforming power of God and what he can do in your life. Going from the bondage of sin, going from the, the bondage of, of, of hurt and disappointment to acceptance and validity of a family member of God. And that's what God wants to see you as today. He died for that very reason. He shed his own blood for that very reason. Not so that you could stay far from God, but so that you would surrender to God and allow God's transforming power to be in your life. So he could call you a daughter. So he could call you a son. And if you've never experienced that type of change in your life, I want you to know you can do that right now. We're going to take communion in a minute, and I'm going to describe that. But I just want to take a second and say, maybe you need a transform, transformation in your life. Can we just pray together? Can you just bow your head? And I just want to ask you a simple question. Would you be willing to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today? Because God isn't done with you yet. You haven't come here today for no reason. You're not listening online right now just at happenstance. God wastes nothing. Nothing is a coincidence with him. Would you be willing to surrender your life to God today? If so, I wonder if you'd pray this prayer with me. God, I need you. I'm tired of doing it myself. Maybe some of you today have, have backed into some really bad repercussions because of the decisions you've made. God's not done with you yet. He sees you right where you are, and he will use these circumstances to be a testimony for you and for everyone else, moving you into a but now season. Would you say yes to him where you are right now? God, I need you, and I accept what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, shedding your blood for me, not taking away all my problems, but saving my soul. So I ask God that you transform my life I don't know the journey that entails. I don't know the progression that's going to come after this. But one thing I do know is that I want you. One thing I do know is that I trust you. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose from the grave. I have put my faith in you today. And God, I pray that you would help me as I walk this journey out. Help me not to rely on feelings, and help me not to put my hope in circumstances. But help me to have faith as an anchor in my spirit and help me to rely on the saving power of Jesus Christ in the reality that heaven is my home and I'm on my way there. In Jesus' name, amen. When you came in the door, you got one of these little things here. Can you pull that out? 
if you've never seen something quite like this, this is, we're getting ready to do something called communion. Jesus was with his, his disciples right before he went to the cross to die for us. And this is what he said. He, he actually did the first communion, and he, he led his disciples in that. And he said, he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. So this is a command that Christ gave us. And over 2,000 years later, we're still doing this. Why? Is it because what's in here is delicious? Absolutely not. You're going to find that out in just a minute. Why do we do this? Because we fail to live out in life what we don't make an effort to remember. And Jesus said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Jesus paid a, a heavy price for you. For those of you who just prayed that prayer and trusted in Jesus, maybe for the first time and said, I want you to transform my life, it's not because of any other thing than this. Jesus Christ became a man for you. He was 100% God and became a man and shed his innocent blood for you and made a sacrifice that you couldn't make for yourself. And he told his disciples, he said, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I want you to peel back that first layer there and, and pick up that little piece of bread, this little wafer. And Jesus would have had a loaf of bread, and he would have torn it and gave it to his disciples. And he said this. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. For those of you who have come through a transformation process, and for those of you getting ready to go into one, and for those of you who are in the middle of one, Jesus Christ broke his body for you. And he said, I want you to receive this bread in my remembrance. Let's take this together and remember. And then he passed around the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that I'm getting ready to shed for you. And I, I just feel like I need to tell you guys, there, there's nothing magical or super spiritual about grape juice and a little stale wafer. But what ha what's happening in your heart right now as you remember Christ that's where, the, that's where the power is. And so as you drink this juice, I want you to remember the blood that Jesus spilled for you that makes transformation possible. Let's take this together. The band's going to lead us in a song. And I, I just want to tell you this. I'm going to go first and just say, I cannot sit and watch the band sing this song when they start talking about the holiness and the majesty of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went into a tomb as the Lamb of God, broken. But he came out a victorious warrior, King of kings and Lord of lords. And the scriptures say now he's sitting at the right hand of God, lifted up and on high. And so when we sing about the majesty of God, I wonder if you in your heart would reverence him today and worship him. And don't let these just be words on a screen, but let them echo in your heart and you find yourself prostrate before him. I want us to worship him today as we reflect on his transforming power and what he did for us on the cross. Can we do that together? Can you just say his name, Jesus? Lord, we've gathered here together for you. I don't know what kind of situation you find yourself in life right now, but the answer is Jesus. I don't know where you've come from and where you're trying to get to, but your answer is Jesus. I don't know where the hurt is exactly in your life, but I know that the answer is Jesus. Lord, we just worship you right now. What a powerful song. Lord, but more than the song, our hearts towards you are what you see. Our hearts towards you right now are what you honor. Our hearts 
engaged with you. Father, that's, that's where your heart is. at me just for a second we're getting ready to close but I want you to know this if today you need to give your heart and life to him and maybe you didn't do it in the prayer a minute ago God's not looking for some special prayer he's looking simply for surrender of your heart and you can make that decision right now and if you made that decision today I want you to know this today you have a good feeling you're in an atmosphere where I believe the Holy Spirit is but you're also in an atmosphere where there's lots of things that are, are, are kind of moving you emotionally. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good feeling. But when you walk out of these doors, you're going to be in regular life. And tomorrow when you wake up, the feeling might be gone. But I want you to hear me right now. You're still saved. Because you're not relying on a feeling that you had today. You're relying on the supernatural power of Jesus Christ and His grace. That doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today, and he's the same forever. I heard somebody say this morning that we need to be spiritually alive. Because when you're not spiritually alive, you're sensationally alive. And tomorrow when you wake up or tomorrow when you go back into the hurt of whatever situation God is using to transform you, if you rely on your senses, you're going to look for that feeling again. And that feeling might not be there. But spiritually speaking, you can rely on the, and trust in Jesus Christ who doesn't change from circumstance to circumstance. Be spiritually alive. Get into the Word of God. That doesn't change. If you gave your heart to Jesus today, would you do me a favor? Because this, this is the thing. I, I don't want you to do this yourself. There's a Connect card in front of you. Cassie talked about it earlier. There's a box on there that says, I prayed to receive Christ. I want you to check that box. That's your next step today. Don't walk out of here and let your starting line be your finish line. There are some people in this church who will be praying for you. There are some people in this church who will reach out to you and give you some potential next steps. I think one of the biggest attacks of the enemy is isolation. If he can pull you away and get you by yourself, then you're, you're the least effective. And that's why God formed the church. That's why he sent Jesus to die for it, so that we can be a family. The scriptures describe the church as the body of Jesus Christ. Everyone having their own part and function and helping one another along. And so when you check that box, I prayed to receive Christ. Not only are you making a public declaration that I have invited Jesus into my heart and surrendered to him, but you're also plugging into a family. Whether or not you stay at the Bridge Church, I, you know, it, that, that doesn't matter to me. We would love to have you here. But I want you to know there are people that are praying for you. And when you check that box, you're making a bold step for Jesus Christ and a good one. And so would you do that? Uh, maybe today you, you've heard the sermon today and you've listened to these songs and said, you know what, I've got some things I'd like for this church to pray about. There are some things that have been stirred up in me and I know I need to make some changes. There's a place on that Connect card that you can, you can write down your prayer requests. And one of the things I love about this location and all of our locations is that we pray specifically for your needs. And there are people, a small group of people that will be working to pray for your needs this week. And so if you have prayer requests, please write them down on that Connect card. Maybe for you, you've been coming to the bridge a while and you want to know what your next step is. There's a place on that Connect card for you. That Connect card is not to get information from you. It's to be a resource to you. So I want you to take advantage of that today. 
If there is uh, anyone in the room today that's here for the very first time today, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the Bridge Goldsboro today. On behalf of me, the staff, and this church, we're so grateful to have you. We'd love to have you back next week. Maybe you've been here for a month or so. If you're new within the last month, we have something called a guest gathering that we're going to be having right outside these doors in the lobby. Just 15 minutes. We'll have some snacks there to kind of hold you over till lunch, but 15 minutes is the goal. And we just want to hear from you. We want to meet you. We want to put a face with a name. And so you'll see some people out there with shirts on just like the one I'm wearing and Pastor Gage is wearing. Uh, and that, that's our senior leadership team. We want to get to know you. So we're so glad you are here today. We want you to take hold of the power of Jesus Christ in your life. And as you walk out of here, let's not just leave church. Let's be the church. Amen. Amen. God bless you.